This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, they took it! Now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. It's a Tuesday edition of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show presented by Miller Light Live from the star in Frisco. Glad you're with us. Kyle Yeomans with you with a whole new cast of characters and a fun one at that. And uh, I think this is going to be a, a great hour for those of you listening because we've got Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, and of course... The great Jeff Cavanaugh. I was going to say something about our Darius Washington there, but I decided not to because I feel like we'll probably mention him at some point throughout the show. But, gentlemen, glad you're with us here on this Tuesday. I want to give a quick shout-out to Chris Beam's Baylor Bears. How about that? Chris is in the back, of course, punching the buttons as always. And the Baylor Bears are national champions. And, of course, Chris Beam, a huge uh, Bears. Baylor fan. There you go. There he is. And also he won our uh, Dallas Cowboys media bracket, too, because he picked the Bears. Baylor Bears. So, uh, double congratulations for Chris Beam. But it's almost draft time. We're getting close as the 29th is on the way. And Brian, I mean, this is right around the time we talked about it last week with smoke screens. But you also start kind of hearing rumors as to who guys are liking and who is starting to kind of stick out from the pack around the NFL, right? Yeah, you're learning which one of your friends are just liars is really what you're <laughs> learning right now. And yeah, and and this is. You know, uh, it's interesting that the way the teams are meeting and how they're getting together, and you know, that's something that uh, you know we need to continue to monitor. You know, and, and there, I could say there's a lot of guys out there and gals too that you could talk to. They'll say, "Hey, listen, you know, these are the these are the clumps of guys that we have. These are the areas that we have where guys are going to be on our boards and stuff." You might not get the order from everybody, but you'll have an idea of where. The different tiers are, and you know, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's an exciting time too when you could set your board and you'll have an idea. You know, we'll see what the medical information all brings, but uh, we're going to start doing this for real here in about uh, you know another three weeks or so, and uh, that'll be an exciting time for everybody. Dave, have you heard anything from throughout the building about maybe somewhere where the Cowboys could potentially be leaning? I, I mean, yeah, absolutely, I have. The only question for me is, what does that wind up looking like when it's all said and done? I mean, I know we're going to get into it, but just as soon as you feel like you have a grasp on everything, I mean, it shouldn't surprise anybody. I think the Cowboys are really setting their sights on defensive players. If you didn't know that already, just consider all the stops we've seen Dan Quinn making at Pro Days over the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, like I said, just when you think you've got your hands around, uh, Carolina trades for a quarterback, and now you kind of got to shuffle what you might think the order is. And at the very least, at, at least the Cowboys are picking 10th, so there's only so much that can happen in front of them. But, you know, in light of that news, it definitely makes you wonder if the defender that you covet is still going to be sitting there like we maybe thought last week. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because I do want to talk about how that kind of shakes things up when it comes to the draft order. And, of course, Carolina, the draft order itself is not switching, but it could take a team that was potentially going to take a quarterback in the top ten and pluck them right out of the quarterback sweepstakes. Jeff, do you agree with that? And do you think Sam Darnold is enough to maybe eliminate Carolina as one of those quarterback-seeking teams? Or is this going to be a team that still might look for that quarterback of the future? 
I, I mean, my best guess and what I think is going to happen with Carolina is that they are they're picking up the fifth-year option, at least reportedly, on Sam Darnold. So they're locking in for two years of Sam Darnold after they locked in for multiple years of Teddy Bridgewater, and they're going to pull the ripcord on that. So my gut is that despite the fact that they should be interested in quarterback, that they're not going to be interested in quarterback in the top eight picks. So I think Carolina is now going to come into play for guys like Kyle Pitts, the receivers, Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, uh, maybe one of the corners, you name it. And Carolina is now a team that you thought was going to help drive non-quarterbacks down to you and now they're going to take one uh, from in front of you. Now, I don't think they should because I don't think that a guy, regardless of how bad his circumstances were in the league, I don't think a guy that's been the worst starting quarterback in the league for three years should be considered the savior of your franchise. But just based on picking up that fifth-year option, they're going to be tied to him for two years monetarily. I think they're rolling with Sam Darnold. So they're, they're going to steal one of your players. Yeah, I think that if you go back, you know, Joe Brady being the offensive coordinator, he's been able to work magic with quarterbacks. I mean, he's a young offensive coordinator. He was on the national championship staff at LSU with, uh, you know, with what they were able to do with Joe Burrow. So, uh, you know, maybe this is what exactly what Sam Darnold needs. I've guys, I've got Carolina as one of those teams. You know, you get a new general manager there. The situation they're in, there's, I think, there's three teams in front of you that are gonna that potentially can move. Atlanta's a team that I think can move. I think Carolina now can move. And I do think the Denver Broncos could move. And I think all those picks will be for sale. Uh, but, you know, that, that's, that's the danger that, you know, you're so locked into looking at defensive players. And I think you have to keep an open mind if you're the Cowboys right now because the guy that you absolutely covet could be gone at either one of those picks that I just talked about. Somebody could go up and make an offer to to Carolina get some you know that's a team that that needs players you know Denver needs players Atlanta needs players you know new general managers want to make a splash you know those are the guys you have to worry about and those are the three teams I would surely if I was sitting in the Cowboys war room right now those are the teams I would be worrying about potentially trading away and one of my picks going away. Or even, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say that that could happen even if they don't trade. I mean, these, like you know, Jeff just kind of outlined it, and you did too. The the Panthers could probably use a little bit of everything. I know that you know they franchise tagged one of their tackles, but a guy like that falls in your lap, absolutely worth it. Cornerback is one of their big pre-draft needs. People have kind of been ignoring it because of the quarterback need, but if they're not going to do that. All of a sudden, you know, eight is definitely a spot where I think you could take the best cornerback in this class. Uh, and then, you know, we don't have to do Kyle Pitts, but I think Carolina would probably love to have Kyle Pitts. I think Atlanta would probably love to have Kyle Pitts. So it's definitely, you know, I feel like we do this every year, no matter where the Cowboys pick, you're always paranoid that you're going to be wiped out. But for some reason, this, this trade m- makes me think, it's at least feasible because it is one less team that's looking at a quarterback, and that's what you want. I mean, if I could wave a magic wand, I would wish for five quarterbacks to go off the board in the top ten because that's definitely helping the Cowboys, and it doesn't seem as likely today as it did before the trade yesterday. Now, we were originally going to do this in the last segment, but I kind of want to flip-flop things on the rundown for you guys. But you mentioned nightmare scenario there, Dave, and I kind of want to – 
Brian sent a, a text message oh. in our group, and it's one through nine, the picks in order. This would be the night, nightmare scenario. Then where would you go at 10 if you were the Dallas Cowboys? I'm going to read these off in order. The first three are really kind of what we've expected, at least the first two. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, of course, Clemson, BYU quarterbacks. Mac Jones is the third pick. Then we're going to put and slate in Justin Fields as the fourth pick to Atlanta. Fifth is Penae Sewell, offensive tackle out of Oregon. Rashawn Slater goes sixth to Miami out of Northwestern. Patrick Sertan goes to the Lions at seven, which is a bit of a surprise, but the draft is full of them. Then you've got Trey Lance, or excuse me, Trey Lance was not drafted at eight. Instead, it was Kyle Pitts, tight end Florida, drafted at eight. J.C. Horn drafted nine. So Lawrence Wilson-Jones, Pitts, Sewell, Slater, Sertan, Pitts, or excuse me, Pitts, uh, whatever, throwing fields up there as well. Lance is still on the board, and then you've got Horn there as well. I know I butchered that because I'm reading it straight off of this page, but out of those players that's still available, where would you go, Brian, if you're the Dallas Cowboys at that point? Yeah, I think that you're kind of in a tough situation there because then the, the your two likely two best corners are off the board uh, with Sertan and then Horn as well. You know, me personally, I feel like that they would probably go, uh, you know, all those wide receivers are available. I just don't know if they would go that route again. You know, and, and, and it would be very, very inviting if you said, okay, we'll take the best player. You know, Chase might have the, the highest grade on your board at that point in time. And, you know, when you got Waddle and Smith and others, you know, I, I wonder. I wonder if they would take a linebacker there. I, I, this is this is the scenario. I think you have to think that you, know, you would worry about them saying, "Okay, we're going to take Parsons here, and we're just going to move on, and you know, and we'll address and see what happens in the second round." But I, I would be really worried if you're a Cowboy fan that they won't take the best player in that situation, which last year they they did it with uh, with absolute brilliance. Dave. Uh, I was gonna let Jeff go because I can tell how strongly he feels about this. Look at look at that face. Oh yeah, I didn't look even at realize that. It's, it's gross. It's gross. It's gross. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you're talking about, hey, what do you think the team would do in that nightmare scenario? Uh, I think the first thing you're doing is you're saying, who wants Trey Lance, and you're trying to get out of there. Get out because. Yeah, you're trying. You're trying to like Captain Trade Down right here. If you've got one of those quarterbacks available, that would be the goal. Um, but if you've got to sit there and pick a player, then I want to pick the best player available. The Cowboys should pick Jamar Chase in that scenario, and then you figure it out. Um, what would they do? I think Micah Parsons comes into play, and then I think you'd have to look at the edge rushers. I think you'd have to talk about Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ajulari, Quiddy Pay. Uh, but I don't think you would be stuck. I think if you really had like Trey Lance available and Jamar Chase available, that somebody would come up and save you, so you didn't have to pick somebody right there. Uh, but like, I would rather pick Greg Newsom than Micah Parsons. I would rather pick. Wow. <laughs> uh, I would rather pick Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith than Micah Parsons. I'd rather pick Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Uh, like, there's, there's just, I don't want Micah Parsons at ten. Why? And I feel like if you're if you're just trying to guess what they would do, I could see it. I could see that being the pick if that was your board. Why don't you want Micah Parsons so strongly? That's my my question. I don't want him either, but I want to hear your explanation on why Micah Parsons would be a pin throw moment if he were selected at ten. 
Because I just I think at linebacker for this team, especially just a pure real life linebacker who at this point in his life, Micah Parsons is a better run player and pass rusher than he is in a, as a, as a coverage guy. Coverage is so important at linebacker in today's NFL. That's why I like uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa more than I like Micah Parsons. I like the guy that is, and I don't know if the Cowboys would know how to use this, but I think what is incredibly valuable for defenses these days is offenses want to play matchup football. They want to find ways to expose the personnel that you have on the field with a guy that they feel like is a mismatch. I want guys that you can't find that with. I don't want an off-ball linebacker who's inexperienced slash raw slash uncertain in coverage in the top 10 in NFL draft. I would rather have a guy who has safety linebacker versatility that I know can cover your tight end, maybe even your slot receiver, your running backs are going to be easy to cover. I would just, I, I think that part of football has become so important that the more interchangeable pieces you have that you can't take advantage of me through matchups, that that's what I would rather have. And just linebacker in the top 10 in general if Parsons was an incredible cover guy, an incredible diagnoser of plays, then I go, okay, all right, he's now he's Kyle Pitts. Now he's unique. Um, I, that's just not Micah Parsons to me. Yeah, I think Jeff just took all the words right out of my mouth. And from what I gather, like the thing that makes Micah Parsons appealing is that you can send him after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. What... I mean, isn't that something Jalen Smith actually does well? Like, if you're going to give Jalen Smith credit for something, it's that he could probably fill that role. So, feels kind of redundant to me. And, I, you know, I don't trust either one of them to be great cover players, which is what this team needs. So, yeah, I mean, I absolutely like JOK more in that instance. And it would absolutely be a reach, but if you told me I couldn't trade out of that pick, and, like, it's, I mean... I get I get Jeff's logic like draft Jamar Chase draft Jalen Waddle and I mean what what does figure it out look like I, get, I mean do you trade Michael Gallup for pennies on the dollar because I don't think you would get a great price for him if you drafted Jamar Chase first I think you trade him player for player that would be my figure it out my figure it out would be Michael Gallup I'm not trading for a draft pick because I agree I think you lose on that deal I think you're just you start looking around the league and you say hey Will McClay hey pro personnel guys tell me about teams with depth charts at safety corner defensive tackle that they're in a Michael Gallup spot where it's like ah crap we got this extra guy we're not gonna be able to pay him he's gonna be playing out his last year here excuse me and you find a player for player match um to, to try to help your defensive side of the ball since I just took a massive luxury pick in the top ten. Well, yeah. yeah. You, also, you also have to look at a situation, too. Their linebacking situation is not great. No. And, you know, if you draft, if you draft Parsons, I would say you're, you might not pick up the fifth-year option on, on Leighton Vander Esch. You know, yeah. and you, you need to figure out some things there. The, the linebackers the last couple of years, they've been banged up, haven't played very well. Normally, in a nor- I guess in a normal situation, we'd all be excited about having Parsons. But then again, all the things that you guys talked about, some of the limitations he has. I mean, this guy is a good-looking athlete. I mean, a big, good-looking athlete. And that's the problem that scouts have is they see that out there running around and they're thinking like, okay, well, he can, he can help us this way or he can help us that way. You know, that, that's the problem with the Cowboys. That they, their linebacking situation 
you know, isn't really good enough. And I think that's why you would even consider Parsons is because of the problems that they have there. Yeah, but don't we all think you could reasonably address that issue on day two? Like there's think could be available on day two. Oh no, I'm I'd just, feel I'm happy just, to draft. I'm just telling, I'm just telling you though where where they're what what they're thinking about. They're they're thinking, yeah, sure. There's also offensive tackles in the second round that you could take. There's also yeah. corners you could take in the second round. There are also wide receivers. You know, that's why you talk about chase and call up. I I really wonder with all those wide receivers on the board, is somebody really going to call you chase? You know, they're like, hell, they're looking at Dallas like, Dallas ain't taking a wide receiver. Why am I, you know, why am I going to call them? Nah. You know, I mean, to me, the the quarterback makes sense. That one does make sense for me. But but, but I, I don't know. With all those wide receivers on the board, I don't know if your phone will ring. Because, you know, we've seen this before. You know, you take these receivers really high. You know, the bus factor's been pretty good. You just kind of work your way down the board. It's all of a sudden, what we what happened last year? We had all those receivers shoved up to the top of that board. I think the first one went at 12. And it was a pretty damn good class of receivers, too. I, so, would, I would like, to, I would play devil's advocate. And I think I agree with you, but... The best it's receiver not, the draft went at 17 last year. No, I'm, I'm well aware. I know, but again, like Brian, you know better than anybody... Teams fall in love with their guy, and they make sure you want to. So, like, you and me can sit here and say, oh, you got Smith, you got Waddle, you got Chase. But uh, the New England Patriots might be sitting there saying, we only want Chase. He's the only one that we want. And you got to keep in mind, too, that the two teams that pick after the Cowboys would probably love to add a skill player. The Giants and Eagles both. I wouldn't be surprised if either of those teams picked a wide receiver. So maybe somebody would come up to get their guy knowing that Dallas might be their last chance before they went off the board. I don't think it's likely, but I don't know. It's worth bringing up. Miami did that. Like Miami's showing us that, right? At least that's my assumption, is that Miami was willing to go from 3 to 12 because they were willing to to add multiple draft picks, multiple ones. But then when they were sitting at 12 – I believe that Chris Greer went right, but now I can't get my receiver. I have to go back up. And so they're going back up to get their receiver. I think for the right player, and I think for a lot of teams, Jamar Chase will be the right player. Somebody, if he starts making it to even 10, then, yeah, I think teams are going to start going, holy cow, we thought this guy was going to be gone at five or six. Can we now go get this player? And, you know, uh, you can't plan that you can absolutely trade down, but by God, it's always fun. Well, but, but think, listen to what you're saying, Jeff. And, and, and you're talking about, you're talking about, you're, what's the order of your receiver? You don't even have Chase as the first, your first receiver, right? Uh, I got Chase and Waddle very, very, very close, and then Devontae. See, it's, that's what I'm saying. It, but the Dolphins it, don't. The Dolphins are going to get somebody. What if the Dolphins take Pitts? That might be uh, who they still, go get. Still, they went to get somebody. Yeah, they yeah. went to get somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's, but 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 it's not a receiver. It's right, it's a tight end, it's which a is even more wild. Kind of is. Well, no, but it's even it's even more wild that people are willing to go up for a tight end versus a wide receiver when you talk about how much money those premier positions make sure. and how few tight ends in the NFL make a ton of money. Kyle Pitts is going to be a top five or so paid tight end from the moment he steps on the field. He better he be might, a stud. He might be the best. Re- he might be the best receiver in the draft when you look at it overall. 
Yeah, I mean, and, that's, about and that's why that, people are going to go get him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody I mean, would I, somebody would go after Jamar Chase. It's easy to well, all right. It's it's easy for you to say that, and you will always be Captain Trade Down. I get it, but going going back to the hypothetical, if you are in this scenario and you can't get out, you cannot trade. Just out of curiosity, would you rather take a chance on one of those edge rushers at ten, or just grab Christian Barmore and get the best defensive tackle in the class? Like, which one of those is more appealing to you? One of the one of the edge rushers, but I wouldn't do either of those. I would take Jamar Chase. That are, well, you don't do your Jeff thing. Like you, I my insistence is upon taking. I'm in the top ten. I'm not picking my seventeenth best player or my. 24th okay. best player because of the position they play. Level with me. Level with me. Do you think the Cowboys would actually do that? Because I don't. I, I don't think so. so either. I, um, you, you never you never answer the question. I know. Okay, so if I'm guessing for the Cowboys, then I think that their list would be something along the lines of Micah Parsons. Who do you guess would be their favorite edge? Would Phillips' injury scare them? Maybe Quiddy I'm thinking Ojalari. either Ojalari or Pay for sure. Yeah. And Parsons and look, but the Cowboys, they need to know. They need to know that that would be a giant mistake. Stop reaching down your board. You're in the top ten. Pick the well sixth best player on your board. The hope is that what they showed you last year that they would do the same thing. I think it's a little different picking at ten is over to seventeen. I do. Mm-hmm. I know it's seven spots, but you know, when you see a player slide that's you know, you have in the top six or five, whatever. You know that that that's. I wonder if there's going to be a player that slides to them all the way at ten. You know, I wonder if it's going to be Chase. I wonder if that's going to be the case. But me personally, I I want to believe they're going to do the right thing again. But why do I feel like that they're going to take? You know, they're going to take Parsons. That, I'll that's, tell I'll tell you why. In in that scenario, I believe they're going to take Parsons. In that scenario, I believe they are. I will tell you why, and they deserve all the credit in the world for pulling the trigger on Lamb. But the thing that gets lost is that wide receiver was a need. They didn't have a slot receiver. They were faced with the prospect of starting Cedric Wilson in the slot if they didn't draft a receiver last year, and that made it way easier. I would have to see them draft a receiver to this team to believe it. I just don't, I do not think they think that way. And that's why I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you're probably talking about Parsons or, yeah, Aziz Ojolari, I could get on board with that. And honestly, y'all can hate me all you want. Like, if they drafted Barmore in that scenario, I'd, I would say, whatever, you got a good player. You got a good player who fits an immediate need. I can yeah. live with that. I'll tell you what. Let me. I, me personally, I think Parsons is a better player than Barmore. That's just me. Yeah. I, I would. I would. I, I don't. I don't see Parsons. I don't have Parsons. And I mean, I don't have Barmore in the first round. Wow. I, I don't. Okay. You know, Interesting. Yeah. Oh, see, I like him. I like him a lot. I mean, I don't uh, no, love that, the idea that's of good. drafting I hope, him at 10. I, no, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to tip my hat to anybody. He's not in the line of what we've seen from Alabama defensive tackles in the past. Mm. Just not. And I and 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 I was trying. I fair. mean, I sat that's there fair. and tried and tried and tried. I'm watching games. I'm watching some of these. I'm watching Georgia line. I'm watching all these guys, and I'm going, okay, he's going to make a play here sometime. You know. But he's not in the mode of the guys we've seen in the past 
from Alabama. I would rather go to offensive tackle three and four before going to Barmore. I would rather take Christian Derrissaw hmm. or Tevin Jenkins. Okay, there you go. Before there you Barmore. go. Wow. See okay. now, you talk to people. You talk to people in that building. They will tell you that Derrissaw from Virginia Tech is a real left tackle. Where where some of the guys, some of the thoughts have been. What about uh, you know with the Northwestern kid with Slater? Hey, that might be they're saying that's Zach Martin. But if you kick him outside, you might not have the same player. So there, there's some questions in it, and I don't know if it's about arm length and all that stuff. I mean, you know, you, that could make that could be maddening. But but the one guy that I've heard over there is that Derrishaw from Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that. That might be that if you, if you got completely wiped out and you wanted to take a tackle, that's somebody that they believe is a real left tackle. I don't know if I just, I wouldn't hate that. I, I don't think I would necessarily hate that either. And it's kind of the same thought process of whenever you talked about Rashawn Slater or even if somehow Penny Sewell ends up falling, it's that same thought process of pick the best player that's on your board and that somehow aligns with a need, kind of like how the Cowboys did last year at 17 and C.D. Lamb. We're going to go ahead and take our first break, though. And when we come back, we're going to hit some Twitter on the 20. Should the Cowboys go for a position other that corner at 10? And then how much would it cost for them to get back in the back half of the first round and maybe try and hit a corner if they don't go corner at 10? We'll hit that next when we come back here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Ah, uh, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, presented by Miller Lite. I do have to say, Jeff Cavanaugh, I am very impressed with your timing. I think that was about as smooth as could be. If you're at home, 
There's no way you would have uh, at any point thought that Jeff was in the middle of the hallway with his phone like 10 seconds ago, but that's exactly what the case was. Magic of television, and he made it work that time. So, Jeff, just for that, we're going to ask you this first question. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, first question. I had no idea how long the break was either. Just assume I'd be fine. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was it was perfect. It was impe- impeccable. All right, t- time now for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. First question comes from James, and I'm asking James' question because he's been very adamant about us answering more questions. He has sent multiple tweets at me <laughs> saying, please answer more questions. But we're going to answer yeah. his to Hurry start up, things Kyle. off. Okay, sorry. Should the Cowboys go for a position other than cornerback at 10? And what would it cost to move back up into the first round to potentially – target a quarterback he said who you think they would get but i think if you're going to try and go back up it might be to get a guy at cornerback but you could throw any position in there jeff what do you think on that one Uh, i think if you're going non-cornerback it would be for one of two reasons either sertan and horn are gone or they're both there but you also had a slider like Penesul or Kyle Pitts. So in his scenario, I'll say we've taken either Penesul or Kyle Pitts. And then we looked at each other and went, guys, what are we doing in corner? Uh, and then you package, maybe Brian can run numbers on this. 44 and 75. Let's go to 20. We'll be in the 20 somewhere. Wow. Yeah. And then in... And then in my dream world, that gets me Greg Newsom. But with Caleb Farley's back vasectomies, I think Newsom probably becomes the third corner off the board. And I don't know if he makes the 20s. So uh, it, uh, it might be a waiting game where you're just seeing what happens at corner and figuring out when it's time to move, depending on who you like. Like Asante Samuel Jr., Kelvin Joseph, Melifonwu, when does Farley come into play, Elijah Molden, blah, 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 blah. There's a million of them. Um but, yeah, you can move back up, and I think that becomes more likely if you take an offensive player at 10. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, again, you, you, you got to figure out somebody. Will somebody let you back in for 44 and 75? That That's what you got. You know, that's, that's your offer. Maybe we've talked about the situation with Gallup as well. You could use him as a player as a throw-in to kind of thing to maybe get somebody interested in it. But yeah, you, you know, it, to me, if you're going to go back in, I'm I'm going to I'm going to see what the medical is on Farley. I'm going to see if taking him say at 24 or 25, that might be just okay for me to do. I mean, but then again, if I'm not going to take him at 10, why would I take him 15 picks later? Yeah, but I'm still going to investigate that. I'm going to look at the the like Jeff's talking about the Newsoms. The Melifon Woos, those types of guys. There's a lot of corners. Even if you sat there to 44, I think you could find your cornerback in this draft, though. But if you want to be aggressive, go ahead and try and make it work. Dave? I think that's no, that's uh, that's incredibly thorough. I honestly I don't have anything to add to that other than you I mean, y'all know me. I don't love moving around. And I know we spent the first twenty minutes doing doomsday stuff, but when you're, pick, you're picking 10th, I just sort of believe that it's going to work out, especially mm-hmm. with the depth, the depth of this quarterback class. You know, like during the break, ESPN is reporting that Atlanta's trying to shop the number four pick. Like I still think you're either going to have a quarterback sitting there. You know, when you pick 10th, you're either going to have a quarterback sitting there that you can use to trade, or 
uh, so many quarterbacks are going to have gotten drafted that a player you love is going to be sitting there. I don't know if I'm just being overly optimistic, but I really think that's got a high likelihood of happening. No, like Dave, I think honestly, out of the names Panay Sewell, and I'm going to make sure here, but I think we would all be comfortable if the Cowboys pick was Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater or yep, yep. Kyle Pitts yep. or Patrick Sertan. Yep, yep. or J.C. Horn. Yes, and I think at least one and up to three of those are going to be available because I think you're going to see Jamar Chase go. You're going to see at least four quarterbacks go. Like I think that this thing is going to fall where you're going to be happy with what you've got at 10, yep. and I think it's going to happen again at 44. I, um, I understand if you wanted to target a certain player in the 20s and you wanted to move up, but... I, I really think that, and maybe this happens every year, but I love what the draft looks like from 25 to 75. Yeah. I don't want to give up multiple picks in that range. I'm trying to add more of those picks if there's any way possible. Yep. I was putting together a top 51 for the website for 105.3, and I, I, I had a harder time putting together the, the players from 21 on down than I did putting the players from mm. the top of the round. So, yeah, that just told you. I, I a little bit more thought about, wow, I like this guy a little bit better than this guy, this guy. So, yeah, I, I agree with and, Jeff on that. Sit there at 44 if you want to, and you'll probably grab a pretty good player. And everybody may not know all these names, but at 44, I mean, I think you're going to have guys in consideration where I've got seven second-round corners. Aaron Robinson, Eric Stokes, Elijah Molden. Are those guys at 44? Uh, Jabril Cox and Baron Browning at linebacker. Alim yeah. uh, McNeil at defensive tackle. Carlos Basham, the edge. Joseph Osai, Peyton Turner, Alex Leatherwood at left tackle. If you don't know these names, just look them all up. But like these are guys that – those are NFL starters, man. Yeah. There's going to be an offensive lineman. There's going to be a corner. There's going to be Richie Grant. There's going to be a safety. Every, There's going to be an edge yeah. player. There's going to be dudes there that you're going to love. Every single year that I've done this, we get off the air on Thursday night, and there's like six guys sitting there that we t- spent the whole spring talking about as possible first-round picks. And But the Cowboys aren't usually picking this high. Yeah, and it's true. It's exciting to think that you know some of those guys will be there for them. Yeah. Well, it happened last year with Trayvon Diggs. I mean, that was a guy we thought would go in the back half of the first round, and then not only did he fall, he fell to the Cowboys at 51, and it was something that was just kind of unforeseen and something that happened that was very exciting. But kind of along these same lines, Sebastian asked our next question. He said, what players outside of quarterback have the greatest boom or bust potential in this draft? And I think a lot of those names that could line up with this question are right in that 25 to 75 range that, Brian, you were just talking about. Yeah, I, you know what, I, I am not the, you know, and I, I heard Jeff mention he was talking about the linebackers and stuff like that. I, I do worry about a, a bust with Cox from LSU, mm-hmm. and I know that's my school and all that, but I oh. – I, I'm not so I'm not so shot on that one. And, and LSU's had a great history here recently of putting linebackers in the draft and it working out for him. But I do worry about him a little bit more. I'll tell you another one. I'm I, I have a high grade on, and I worry about uh, Kelvin Joseph from uh, Kentucky. You know, I, I mean, I've got him in the mix with Newsom and Samuel Molden, those guys in the second round. But there might be some guys, you know, uh, Melifonwu, Graham. Stokes. I mean, there's some maybe some other guys that might be better. I know I have him in that second round, but 
I would worry a little bit about maybe a little bit of a bust factor there as well. So there's a couple of defensive guys I have some concerns about going into this thing. I feel like I have them in the right spot, but I do have a little bit of apprehension about them. Well, and I want to mention the boom part of this too because I feel like everybody that's listening is going to hear us poo-poo the Micah Parsons idea. Micah Parsons could be an eight-time All-Pro and a Hall of Famer. Very true. That's the that's the physical tools. He like I think Parsons is boomer bust. Um, I think their Kelvin Joseph is a great name for boomer bust. I think the safety at Indiana, Jamar Johnson, is a great name for boomer bust. I think if you could get him at seventy-five, that's a real-life free safety that just has no idea how tackling works. But if you want a free safety that can cover and can turn the ball over, I think Jamar Johnson is a boomer bust guy. Mm. Um, gosh, there are just there's there's really a lot. I'm trying to think. Nick Bolton, that's my dream at 44, yeah. is, um, is a Missouri linebacker Nick Bolton. But you are talking yeah. about 5'11", 4'6", athlete. The shuttles weren't very good. So, like, you're talking about a guy that I absolutely love on tape, that the testing was not great. Um, so I think maybe there's some boomer bust there, but I'm more focused well, on the boom, where I think he could be an outstanding NFL linebacker that may tumble his way into the mid-second round because he's, quote, small and didn't test great. Yeah, you could also throw in Grant as well. I know we've all talked about the safety, you know, there. But, uh, you know, man, that, that's one of those ones looks really great on tape. And you look at the testing numbers, probably not as great as they needed to be. But don't – I mean, that that's one of those kind – if you get a guy like that, he, he could come and play a long time where it's like, okay, wait, some of the things are starting to show up that – you know the testing numbers wise that 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 make him you know make him have that kind of a career. I feel de- bad. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to throw in a couple of quick names real quick. Um, the defensive tackle class I think has a lot of boomer bust in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Owns Rike at uh, Washington. I think that's big time boomer bust. I think he's being talked about as a potential first round pick, yeah. and it's off of physical tools. I don't. To me, it's not off of tape. Uh, Marvin Wilson, who has two years as what a 18 and 19 year old of dominating college football, and then tape this last year where a lot of times they're running a three man line and it's a different spot and he looks like he's bigger and maybe not as explosive. Marvin Wilson, I think, might be the best defensive tackle in this draft class. Wow! And um, and maybe what happened to him in his third year in college football is that it was too easy to him and he didn't work hard enough? I don't know. I'm totally speculating. So maybe he's a complete bust. Maybe he's the best D-tackle in the class. Christian Barmore at D-tackle. Yeah. Alabama didn't play him on rundowns. They yeah. were acting like he's some dominant one technique. They wouldn't let him play football until it was time to rush the passer. So I think the a lot of the D-tackle class, my top three D-tackles, I think they're all boomer bust. That's a, I mean, that goes in hand with what I was going to say, which is I feel a little bit bad it's just the nature of, of edge rushers is that they play such an important position that they get overdrafted. There's not a single guy that I would be shocked. You know, I mean, Quiddy Pay always comes to mind just because his production last year wasn't amazing. But, you know, he'll probably be a top 20, at least a top 25 pick, but probably even higher because of the position that he plays. And I think there's a lot of those guys. Joseph Asai, I think he's really intriguing, but... I don't trust that that's going to translate, and I Penn I, State guy, yeah, away, away. Yeah, yeah, like away, may, yeah. maybe the most talented, like purely talented of all of them, are certainly in the conversation with like none of the production to go along with it, but absolutely could be a first round pick on potential alone. So that's edge rushers scare the bejesus out of me, and that is unless it's unless it's a can't miss guy 
like a Chase Young, it scares the crap out of me, which take I know. My guy. Take my guy Peyton Turner. Take my guy Peyton Turner. I mean, if you say so, yeah, but good, it's... No, he's it, a good player. It scares me. We're not betting on on whipping around the corner and translating to just athleticism. We're going to get the guy who uses length and knows what he's doing <laughs> and can play multiple spots. Let's go. That's why I would I would take Boogie Basham before I took a lot of these guys. Like Let's go. just mm. because. So no, I don't know. And too, the, the Tryon kid from Washington's another good one to watch too. So and yeah. I, they, there's some guys that are really steady players, and I think there's going to be some huge value in like you say that second third round of some of these guys, but you know, you just got to try and hope that you get the right one. That's always the trick here with the draft. I've got a third-round boomer bus guy that I really like. I got to actually call a game of his previously, and I think he's a, a fantastic player. Edge rusher Jordan Smith from UAB is somebody I think you should keep your eye on for mm. a, a player that could potentially boom or bust. I, that It's more likely that yeah. he's a bust coming out of Conference USA, but still something that you should keep your eye on. Now, Dave, I've got yeah. a, uh, a fifth round grade on him. Yeah, fifth round grade. Okay, see, I was like late fourth. I yeah, think yeah. is where I'm at. Uh, yeah. But he's still somebody who yeah. I really do like in that that area. Uh, Dave, this is a really quick question for you. And this comes from B Human. He says, "Is Quiddy Pay really on the Cowboys' radar at this point?" Of course, Edge Rush out of Michigan. Are, not, I mean, not that I'm aware of at ten, uh, but again, like you know, and that's that's the scary part. And the people that I've talked to, like, I mean, it's it's beyond obvious that they want a cornerback. Like anybody can figure that out. I think they're more interested in linebacker than the three of or the four of us would probably prefer them to be. Um, I haven't heard a lot of noise about edge rushers, but again. The position is so valuable and the upside is so high, I don't think you can rule anything out. But at 10, I haven't heard a lot about that. I, yeah. I would the, the linebacker thing, Dave, that you're mentioning, I actually want them to be interested in linbacker. I, do I just don't want them to do it at 10. Because no, I, no, no, no. That's, but that's what I mean. I mean right. at, 10. at 10. Yeah, no, yeah. they absolutely should be interested in linebacker, yeah. but I think we would all agree not at number 10. Because if the Cowboys are a smart organization, uh, and then I'm just going to say things they're not going to do, which is just going to be very offensive. But, <laughs> like, I, Leighton Vanderess, when you can't stay on the field, I can't pay you $10 million for your fifth year. i got to turn down your fifth-year option. And with Jalen Smith's contract and the way he's played recently, I want out of it as soon as possible. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm in the market to replace both my linebackers within the next 12 months. Good. Yeah, it's totally possible. I think that, I think Quiddy Pay, and for all the faults that we might see in Quiddy Pay, I think what happens with him is because he's Michigan, he's defensive end, and we think of Taco. That's I think that's in a lot of people's minds. But you know, look at the kid Gary that went to the Packers and from Michigan. He's playing a lot Played better well. too at defensive end. I just think. I just think that people in their mind are thinking edge rusher, Michigan, Taco. Which I think that's unfortunate. I hope not because they couldn't be more dissimilar. Like, Quiddy Pay is a freak athlete. No question. I'm just telling you what people associate Michigan and defensive end with. I really Honestly, I, I think you're probably right. People do that a lot. I mean, people still talk trash about LSU DBs because of Mo Claiborne. So I get I get it. But I, I mean, I wouldn't want him to pick Quiddy Pay at ten. But I'd probably be more excited about it. And I know that you know I have to wear the blame because I defended the taco pick more than most. But I would probably be more excited because we said all along we were like 
Taco's ceiling isn't as high as other guys, but his floor could be higher as well. Like, I think Quiddy Pay is pure ceiling. So, it might be a disaster, but if it works, it could work out really, really well. I actually don't mind Pay as a floor guy because I think that the freak athleticism that you're banking on is what can he turn into as a pass rusher. But I think as a run player, he's already good. Like, he's high effort, he's strong. He's just the, the thing that he's missing is he hasn't developed the pass rush yet, and he doesn't have what the NFL is so enamored with in terms of, hey, where's your 35-inch arm? But, like, I think that dude is physical, tough, high motor. I think he'll be a good run player no matter what. And then it's can we unlock this athleticism and turn you into a great pass rusher? So I don't mind his floor. I just think 10 is, like, Dave, you talked about it with all these pass rushers. All of them, the scouting report is something like that. Just talking about different things that you you feel good about, and the other things where it's like, can I develop it? And it's just it's such a strange class for the edge guys. But I think Quiddy Pay, when you go with the Michigan thing, he's stronger, he's more active, he's more athletic. Got he better ain't range. Yeah, he's he got ain't better range. But if like, you Taco just had long arms. Yeah. Yeah, if you do the work, if you do the work, you could see that Quiddy Pay is a better player. He is, and that should alleviate a lot of your stress. I like that. I would a lot. just like to think there's a more. I would like to think there's a more complete, ready-made guy. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to dog Quiddy Pay too much, but that's more of like a. Oh man, I hope he's really good. As opposed, to like hopefully at number ten, there should be a guy that I feel more confident about. That's all. So, Rojalari would be that guy for me. Yeah. Rapid fire last question. I want to get this in because I think it's a great one. Uh, Fill in the sentence. If the Cowboys do not draft blank position in the first three rounds of this draft, it would be a mistake. Brian, start us off. Which position would be a, a, a mistake if you don't hit it at least once in this draft in the first three rounds? I think cornerback is it. I, I mean, the corners are really, you know, the corners, the wide receivers. I think you got to find a way to get a cornerback. I want to say that the safety position could stretch a little bit at free, but I think that you need to draft a corner out of this thing. The, 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 the quality through the rounds is just too good uh, to pass up. I think that we'll absolutely do that. Dave. Cornerback is the answer, but since Brian already said it, I'll, and I'll actually, I think this is more important to the to the point Jeff made a minute ago, linebacker, and the mm. reason why the Cowboys, the Cowboys front office knows they need a cornerback. I'm not a hundred percent like I know they're looking at him, but did they think linebacker is as drastic a need as we do, or are they sitting over here? basically in denial about Jalen and you know maybe thinking like oh we you know we can pick up Layton's option and he'll be healthy and it's not a concern and Dan Quinn's gonna get Jalen right like I could absolutely see the front office pumping some sunshine and ignoring linebacker and I think that would be a huge mistake I will say safety because your current starting free safety has guaranteed money is one-tenth of what HaHa Clinton Dix was guaranteed, mm-hmm. and he's coming off of a torn Achilles. So I think you need to draft a guy you think can play free safety in the first three rounds. I like. So basically the whole defense. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. the whole yeah. defensive you can, you can side throw, of football. You can throw defensive tackle. You can throw yep. defensive tackle in there too if you want. I can throw to. edge in there. Yeah. <sighs> Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me too much, but like. If if defensive tackle doesn't work out for him, I'm not. You know what? It's not the end of the world. That's basically how I feel. Like I'm like it's not great, 
but it's not the end of the world. Don't yell at me. <laughs> I'm just trying to hold back right now. Uh, when we come back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show, have we talked enough about maybe putting J.C. Horn above Patrick Sertan on the draft board? Have we had that conversation yet? If not, we will when we return on the other side of the break right after this. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing. The star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, presented by Miller Lite. Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Jeff Cavanaugh, I'm Kyle Yeomans. You can join us again Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Time. It'll be Bucky Brooks, Kevin KT Turner, Dane Brugler, the rest of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show crew. But, Brian, you brought up this thought in our... uh, in our group message leading into today's show. And and Dave and I actually kind of had this conversation briefly yesterday in studio. But are we really putting enough stock in J.C. Horn as a potential number one corner in this draft class, maybe even above Patrick Sertan? Or are we crazy even thinking that's anywhere close to being the case? No, I, I actually have on my board, and I'll, I'll put it out here on our website on 105.3 that I work with. Uh, I'll put it out and show you that I have J.C. Horn above Sertan. And, and it's no, no disrespect to Sertan at all. And you know, if the Cowboys take him, I mean, that's, that's fine. I, I have no problem with that. I just think that to me, in this day and age, the National Football League, you've got to have guys that battle. You've got to have guys that are tough. You've got to have guys at corner that play with a chip on their shoulder. And I and I think that to me, you look at Horn. He's a guy that's like that. His dad was that type of a player with the Saints. He always played with a chip. I think the kid has that same type of ability. Physically, he's mm-hmm. what you want in a cornerback. You know, Sertan looks good too. 
I just feel like with Horn, though, I want that competitive, tough edge. And I think that he brings that. And that's why I have him above Sertan. Dave? I have him. Oh, oh go ahead. Sorry. So I, I never know who's going to go. But it's, <laughs> um, no, I, part of me wonders... Part of me wonders if maybe this is just boredom because Sertan has been the top cornerback since October, probably, maybe even longer than that. So maybe people are just looking for reasons to switch it up. But with that in mind, I have you know talked to people I know who do this for a living, and I'm like, am I stupid for thinking this? And they're like, I'm not going to say definitively one way or the other, but you're definitely not crazy. And there are definitely going to be teams that agree with that. Like, I guarantee you there are teams that think Horn is the top corner. And I want to be careful because, like, I've never met Patrick Sertan. He started multiple years at the best program in the country. Like, you don't pull that off without having some alpha mentality to you. But I'm with Brian. Like, J.C. Horn seems like he's got the type of you know, alpha, pain-in-the-ass, chip-on-the-shoulder attitude where he could come in here as a rookie and be like, no, like, we're changing the culture in here. Like, you know, we're not we're not getting toasted the way we have. Like, he almost like, like a Richard Sherman type of mentality where he's going to make the play and then trash-talk his own teammate for throwing the pass, you know? Uh, and that's really, really intriguing when you remember how pitiful this defense looked at times last year. So... Um, I don't think you can go wrong either way, but I think it is a very worthwhile conversation that J.C. Horn might be the better player. Horn is my number one cornerback, too. I have him above Sertan, but I also think that for NFL teams, a lot of what this is, especially early in the draft, is risk management. And with Sertan, you have less risk. Like, Sertan is an outstanding tackler. He like There's nothing on a football field that he doesn't do well. And with J.C. Horn, he's a wild tackler who just kind of ducks his head and lunges. Um, He had five penalties in the games they played last year. He's grabby. So, like, there are more things that I think a team is going to look at and see risk with. But I also look at the positives of Horn, which is when South Carolina, they get off the plane or the bus or whatever, they say, well, who's the best guy? Horn's got him. And it doesn't matter if it's the tight end, the slot receiver, the outside. It doesn't matter. He's going where that guy is, and that guy's going to hate him for the entire football game. Um, so Horn's my number one guy, but I think that we do have to we do have to acknowledge that going that route and saying that Horn is your top corner is saying I know the risks of J.C. Horn, and I accept it because I'm betting on the mentality with the athleticism, with the ball skills. And the versatility that he, he's going to go cover the best guy. He's not just playing corner. He's going to come find you, and you're not going to enjoy that day. That's what's kind of so intriguing. this is the J.C. Horn fan club, basically. I was about to say, that's yep. what's intriguing to me because I feel like we've talked about this from the beginning of Patrick Sertan being that number one guy, and then all of, all of a sudden we're three weeks from the draft, and, and now J.C. Horn is the number one option at corner? Is, is Should we well, be scared if, if Sertan's the pick? Well, no, but, I mean, there, there's people like myself that had Farley over both those guys. True. You know, and, 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 and I, so I don't think that Sertan has always been the number one guy. I know before the back problems and talking to some teams around the league, they absolutely love Farley. 
you know, and, and we're willing to say, yeah, he is the top guy. But with the back thing, you can't have him as your top guy unless some teams are totally saying, oh, it's not going to be a problem. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, Sertan is – what you know about Sertan, and Dave and, 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 and Jeff did a great job. What you know about Sertan is he went to one of the best programs in the country. He's played in huge games. He's been a starter for a lot of years. He's got coached by Nick Saban hard. He, the Saban coaches those the secondary at Alabama. You know his technique's going to be good. You know his ability to, to make plays off, man, whatever he has to do. And you're right. It's about avoiding. It's about it's about the risk. You know, what is your risk? What are you willing to tolerate? You want somebody safe and steady, or do you want a guy that's going to be uh, combative and knock down balls and get balls and get turnovers and stuff? That's where you. But but he might be wheels off too. He might get a holding penalty late in the game that's going to kill you. That's where you have to be able to evaluate these guys right now. And, uh, you know, I I think if the Cowboys had an opportunity to draft between Sertan and Horn, I think they would take Sertan. I really, really do. I was about to say the same thing. And and it's not a knock on anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. I do think I do think some of it is boredom on a lot of levels, like boredom from just talking about Sertan and boredom because Sertan is so safe. Like that, like everybody, you know, his technique, he's he's sound, he's not flashy, and you know, when you're talking about a top ten pick, like as mean as it sounds to say, that's that's not super exciting. So people look for a more exciting alternative, and I completely agree with Brian. I love J.C. Horn. I like you know I. Like be the Cowboys pick in a perfect world for all the reasons he just listed. Hey guys, I think there's a chance Greg Newsom ends up being the best corner in this class. Oh. You can't just throw okay. that out there I two minutes there. from the end of I the mean, show but and, and not give any explanation. I just throw it out there. I mean that's that's Jeff's thing is to find a guy who's like in the conversation but not really and be like, no, he's he's way better. And apparently like, we'll be can, I you, can I ask you if, what you can I if ask Kelvin you, Joseph gets along with everybody, then there's a chance Kelvin Joseph ends up being the best corner in this draft class. <laughs> yeah, let me ask you, though, about Newsom, though. Did you you see how much off coverage and stuff that he plays at Northwestern? Do you really yeah, see they, his ability as a player? Yeah, they play a ton of um, very deep cover three. Yeah, which where he, where think, he keeps everything in front of him, right? Yeah, so you can't complete deep balls on him, but it's part yeah. of the scheme. But I think his athletic testing is what really helped him for me because sure. you never, you couldn't really know because of what they were asking him to do. But I think mm-hmm. you take the instincts, the ball skills, what was on tape, and then you say, oh, and perhaps he is an elite athlete. And you go, wow, okay, that dude's going to be really, really good. Interesting. I don't disagree with you. It's, I mean, it goes back to the conversation we had in the first segment where. I think a better player will be available at 10. That's the beauty and the curse of number 10 is it's like yeah. how far down, you know, how far down your board do you want to go? Preferably not at all. That's the beauty of the trade down. You trade down <laughs> and you might still get You go down board. on the board. Yeah, on we would we all be about, Yeah, but we've talked about this before in our show too, Jeff, is like how many teams behind you have cornerback as a primary or a secondary need? You know, I think there were yeah, like there's a bet, good amount. I bet six corners go in the first. I bet yeah, five or six corners go in the first round. Yeah, that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem right there. Is is somebody going to let you get back in the draft, and or let you get back in? And is somebody going to let you come down, knowing that you're hunting a corner at that spot? 
you know that where they're hunting a corner too that's the that's the the, the pitfall a little bit or the things the na- the navigation of the minefield that you have to go through in this draft you know, going, going 15 just going 15 going back to the doomsday scenario i'm with jeff that i'm not convinced it's doomsday not because of jamar chase but like yeah like if if trey lance or even mac jones slides to 10 new england uh, or how about chicago at 20 somebody's Shoot, Ryan Pace is like a thumbnail away from getting fired. You think he's True. not going to try to do something bold to get a quarterback? It's very good. Point. It up last time, but <laughs> no. Oh, I will appreciate this. I hope you read it on DallasCowboys.com. Uh, I encourage you. Great website. That's our mailbag today is some somebody was asking about trading back, and I said. If Chicago wants to give you next year's one to come up from 20, I'm doing that all day because mm. there will be good players sitting there at 20. Absolutely. Yeah, I would I would do that as well. But I'm also really surprised on the horn over Sertan, but I do have to add this in right before we have to get off the air. But our guy Kyle Pitts, whenever he was asked, who was your toughest matchup during your time in college? Do you know if uh, he played both? Patrick Sutan and J.C. Horn, and he said, it, "Mr. J.C. Horn." If he didn't Horn. say Horn, it's be- yeah, he did because he, he was annoyed. You can see it on tape. Mm-hmm. He hated J.C. Horn. He was like, "This son of a biscuit is grabbing me every play. <laughs> you guys aren't calling it. He's annoying. I hate him." Like it was on tape. You can see it. He hated him. Yeah, he did, and he he was very open about that, saying that J.C. Horn was the toughest matchup that Kyle Pitts had the entirety of his collegiate career. But that's going to do it for us. Here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Be sure to keep up with these guys throughout the week. They have great content on Twitter and on, of course, their respective media outlets. But for Chris Beam, national champion, Baylor Bear in the back, pushing the buttons as always. We've got Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Jeff Cavanaugh. I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. Thanks for listening to the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!